Welcome to the Chopping Wood Inside podcast, the Twin Peaks podcast for conspiracy theorists and aficionados. I am your host, Murphy. Uh, Tom, are you are you out there? We are like the dreamer, Murphy. Oh, we are like the dreamer, friend. We're about to go into a bizarre dream of part 14. Um, that's what we're here to preview. We're hearing some good hype. or you know, We haven't been listening to the German spoilers, but uh, it seems like uh, part 14 is going to be a big deal, don't you think? Oh, I agree. I think Should that be some weird shit going on, maybe a little, maybe trip to Jackrabbit's Palace or something like that. I think so. Finally, I think we're going to finally get to Jackrabbit's Palace in part 14. Yes. And uh, I think we're going to have the return of the Blue Rose Task Force, Cole, Albert, Diane and Tammy, since we didn't get them in part 13. And I think we might get uh, some resolution in Las Vegas with uh, Cooper, perhaps. Well, that's all very exciting. We've got a lot to talk about. Um, the one thing I think that a lot of people are talking about, or at least the one thing I'm obsessed about, is the time uh, loops that we started to see in the past episode, and you know whether that's going to, you know, break out in full force and become like a you know an overt thing. Because right now we aren't sure whether some of these line or some of these scenes are you know in the editing booth being creatively moved around, or they're actually intended to be time loops where things are happening. Uh, you know our time is getting screwed up. What do you, where do you, uh, what's your judgment on that at this point? Well, I think it's a combination of the two. I think that, um, the, the big thing that I think people are talking about from part 13 was the big Ed scene where his reflection did not match, um, his, his body. And people are speculating that, you know, all kinds of things, uh, for me, that really doesn't necessarily reflect uh, a doppelganger that he's eating the the corn soup, which would reflect Garmin Bozia. I don't think that's the case. For me, that scene is a perfect embodiment of heartbreak. Um, that's our first real proper scene of Big Ed in the series. The first time we see him, he's at the double R with Norma. We don't know the circumstances, but we find out, you know, shortly thereafter that uh, they're not together. She's with another man, and uh, he winds up eating alone at the Big Ed gas farm after he tells Bobby no one should eat alone and watches these cars pass by into darkness completely alone. And for me, it just embodied complete and utter heartbreak for the avuncular Ed Hurley, one of my and our favorite characters. And even though there was uh, there was something additionally with the burning of the slip of paper. Yeah, and bl- playing with fire, drinking Garmin Bazia soup. That's uh, kind of foreboding, I think. Well, also, I believe there the was... the glitches uh, involved, if you see a glitch too, that's three things. Ooh, scary, dude. Well, wasn't there like a sonic cue too? There was some kind of musical, or not musical, but like some sound design that was a little... I think uh, oh. 
Was like there? A, I didn't catch that. Yeah, I thought there me. was. It was very brief. It was very subtle. So there are some uh, subtleties with that. But for me, it's just playing into the duality, um, the theme of duality that's been apparent in you know pretty much all of Lynch's films. And uh, it's overt in, in this particular iteration of Twin Peaks. Um, we've seen it with any number of characters, um, especially with the original series. There hasn't been that many of the original cast that, you know, over the past 25 years, uh, their life is, is more rewarding or seemingly happier. It seems like pretty much everyone, short of maybe Bobby, maybe Dr. Amp and or Nadine, I guess you could say Norma too, since she's franchising. Yeah, normal. I mean, there are some characters, but it Dr. just Amp, seemed... a little angrier. But you know, he's well, no, yeah, something. I mentioned, yeah, I mentioned Doctor Amp. Oh, Maybe yeah. I didn't say Jacoby, but um, yeah. So it just seems like this whole nature of obviously duality, like I'm talking about, um, and with the actual time inconsistencies, especially with the Sarah Palmer scene. I mean, that one for me was the most overt. Not that there was any kind of reflection, but the fact that she was watching her television and it was on this 10 second loop and we heard the static, the electrical crackle, and then it would go back to the beginning of the loop, like a, like a Mobius strip hearkening back to, to Lost Highway. I think also uh, builds into, you know, the themes, the themes of duality, but also much deeper that there is something, you know, uh, going on uh, below the surface, even though everything seems to be overtly above the surface in Twin Peaks. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just excited for Jackrabbit's Palace. Do you think we're actually going to get that next episode? Yeah, I think they're going to go to Jackrabbit's Palace. I think it's finally October 1st. Hopefully it's October 1st. I mean, we had Bobby at the double R in part 13 say, well, I got a message from my dad today when we saw him get the message in part nine, which was four episodes prior. So, and then we saw Shelly earlier at the diner with her bruised elbow, which would have indicated that that scene took place after part 11. Yeah, see, that really baffles me. I'm completely, when I saw the Shelly, uh, El Bruise Elbow, that completely freaked me out because I don't understand what's going on with the time. Because it seems to me like the day after they just, or the, the evening after they discovered the Briggs uh, note, that uh, at one point in one reality, Bobby went to the double R to meet and have a conference with his, with Becky and, and Shelly. And then the next uh, reality, he went there and he was alone and ended up eating dinner with Big Ed. That appears to have happened on the same night um, to me. Uh, but it, it doesn't it, seem like that's, I don't see uh, creative editing explains that to me. It doesn't explain that away now. Um, it's very confusing, but now I guess because if we see, well, no, we talked about the, your think your theory is perhaps the last episode, the scene that we saw with Shelly talking to Becky on the phone with the bruised elbow could have been a different day than the Bobby scene that night meeting, uh, you know, Big Ed and Norma at the double Correct. Right. That's very interesting. Yeah. And I think it fits into, and I'm starting to kind of, you know, realize that, you know, obviously, we all knew that this was written, this, this series was written as one long script, 18 hours. And Lynch didn't really have an idea of how he would break it up into individual episodes until, you know, they went into, you know, post-production and started cutting everything up. And I think what happened is when they're putting together the individual episodes, um, that it's... It, it's not so easy to, you know, uh, merge certain scenes and certain rhythms when there is a master plan in place. So I think that's why something like an episode 10 and 12, which 
felt a little bit slower, maybe not as much happened or the expectations were, were much higher and weren't met. But if you really like look at the context of those individual episodes, I think that the scenes and the mood, they, they're, they're, they're singular. They, they all kind of, you know, they have its own, uh, its own momentum. Like it's establishing its own particular rhythm, even though it's not maybe something that we want. And then we'll get something like a part 11, which really is this hurried, frantic pace. But I think that's, I mean, that for me, that really is the only justification for an inconsistency um, with some of these, like, you know, scenes with our Bobby were saying, like, you know, we found the message today when it appears four days later. And it's happened in a couple other instances. But that's what I'm thinking is that it's not necessarily built into the narrative that there is this massive time loop and people are, you know, forward in time and backwards in time and it's all going to converge. I just don't buy that. With some aspects of the narrative related to Mr. C and Cooper, I do maybe believe that, but not necessarily with uh, the scenes that we got in Twin Peaks. Well, it's interesting, though. I mean, if you're you say you don't buy that, but then again, if we talk, we've talked uh, extensively about the Laura Palmer reemergence in this story, and that there may be another timeline, right? So that's a that's a time loop in itself, you know. And if that's coming, and you still believe that, then there's got to be something written into the plot. It explains that, you know, yeah, it's not and I just think, artistic. Yeah. No, 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 no. I just think that um, what, what we've seen with the Twin Peaks characters, I think it's like what they're experiencing might very well be tied to what ultimately happens with maybe an alternate timeline or a time jump. But I think that's going to be facilitated or precipitated by the events um, at either Jack Rabbit's palace or when there's some kind of confrontation uh, between Mr. C and uh and cooper um because i really do believe that the the title we are like the dreamer is something that um has great relevance to lynch and frost specifically lynch because when he um premiered inland empire he he took it on the road the road show he was actually and you actually saw him in san francisco (laughs) is that right I did. I saw him at the Lucas uh, Arts in San Rafael, a new theater, and they they did. Uh, Chris Isaac was there, and he played uh, Wicked Game, and Lynch did the percussions. He played like the maracas. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I saw him in Austin, and he read like a little poem. I can't remember if it's it, this what I'm about to say, but um, what I know for a fact that it's some. Um, theaters before the showing, you know, he would read this. He he would read, we are like the spider. We weave our life and then move along in it. We are like the dreamer who dreams and then lives in the dream. Now that was related, I think, to the Upanishads, which is, I think this like uh, ancient, like transcript or, or Sanskrit, uh, which I think uh, has some, uh, is related to the, the Hindu uh, religion and we know Lynch is a very spiritual person, especially with the Eastern philosophies and, and religions. And just that line, "We are like the dreamer," using it in Inland Empire, which we know dealt with you know multiple personalities and, and multiple timelines. And if we want to go back to Lost Highway and obviously Mulholland Drive, dealing with the same construct. I think that line, "We are like the dreamer," being the title for Part Fourteen, is setting ourselves up for some kind of alternate reality, whether it's a dream reality or some kind of like parallel dimension all out of the zone. Yeah, well we've talked about this before. If there if we are someone if some people are living inside of a dream, then who is the dreamer, you know? And I think maybe we're gonna start to discover what that sort of angle it's you know means in the story next episode because that's the title right right, i thought it might come later on but uh that's very exciting no i think you're right because if it's the whole thing that the idea that 
that this, we are like the dreamer for me is very similar to Jeffrey's line in Firewalk With Me when he said, we live inside the dream. So if we, you know, take it a step further, if someone or our character, Black Lodge is a dream. Maybe it's all a dream, just a bad nightmare. Well, I don't think it's going to be one of those soap opera tropes, <laughs> He's just right? Just like going to wake up episode eighteen, like I had a really bad dream. He's right. in his same blue jammies with his hair all messed up from the gel. <laughs> Needs to brush his teeth still. <laughs> He's got a right? beard, a giant beard. I need to brush my teeth. He's been like a woodsman, right? But um, <laughs> Cooper as a woodsman, I'd like yeah, to see that. Yeah, yeah but um, but the the we are. We live inside the dream. If, if that is, you know, relevant and there are characters living inside the dream, then who is the dreamer? Who's the dreamer? Who right. is the dreamer? Is it be Cooper? Is it going to be Laura? Uh, Audrey? Perhaps? I think those are two great guesses. I think Audrey would be someone living inside the dream. And I think, you know, some of our citizens in Twin Peaks are living inside the dream. But I think the dreamer very well may be uh, Cooper and or Laura. Um, it makes sense um, for Cooper. Because of his ties to, like, you know, the dream logic, especially in the original series, um, he obviously was, you know, in, very intuitive and uh, had these dreams that, you know, led him to ultimately solve the crime of Laura Palmer and God knows what else. So I would posit that um, that it's possible that um, the dreamer is Cooper. And it's something that you mentioned to me in a previous conversation, which I found very interesting, is that the idea of Mr. C wanting to knock off Cooper and having to hire this, you know, these failed hitmen, these hitmen who have failed in all these attempts. Why doesn't Mr. C just take matters in his own hands? Well, it could very well be that he can't do it because we know from the evolution of the arms uh, instructions in the Black Lodge, here we go, more rules, is that uh, Mr. C and Cooper can't coexist. One has to come back in before the other can come back out. So even though we're seeing them in the real world, Cooper in Vegas and Mr. C, you know, in the, you know, the North, you know, South Dakota and Montana now, and ultimately we think the Twin Peaks, is that maybe it's not necessarily like an alternate timeline. Maybe it's a dream dreamer thing where they can't, they're not able to actually come together. But that also feeds into your theory and something that I've been speculating with as well, that instead of some kind of external like tete-a-tete between Cooper and Mr. C, that the struggle might be internal, that there might be a merging of the two characters because we know from the end of season two, when Hawk told uh, Cooper that um, when you go into the Black Lodge, you'll be confronted by your shadow self. And if you meet it with imperfect courage, it could utterly annihilate your soul. And I think that's pretty much what happened to Cooper. And in here, these 25 years later, in order for him to, you know, snap to come out of it, I don't think it's going to be another callback to coffee or cherry pie. I think it's going to have to do something with, you know, either some kind of otherworldly element or something with this, uh, 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 with Mr. C, like, you know, having to face himself to become whole again, because Mr. C really is his shadow self. I mean, we know Bob's within him, but it's not a normal host parasite dynamic. Maybe Dougie and Mr. C will have to arm wrestle and they'll merge uh, souls while arm wrestling in episode 17. <laughs> Dougie, did you say Dougie and Mr. C? Is yeah, that what Dougie and Mr. C arm wrestle. Yeah, over like a piece of cherry pie. That'd be awesome. Well, you know what Dougie has, you know, he's being influenced by the Lodge, you know, whether it's the one-armed man or the evolution of the arm, like squeeze his hand off. So maybe Mr. C would meet his match Ooh, in, in Dougie. That's actually interesting. They did have to squeeze his hand. Yeah, they would meet his match in Dougie. That could would be they, a really... <laughs> would they just be in the starting position? They couldn't go any other point? It's just yeah, like it's like Constant starting position. I would love to see a Dougie, <laughs> Mr. C. Arm wrestle match. Well, we do think that that's one thing. Is like, I mean, 
uh, I think you're right that maybe there is like, you know, the law, one of the laws of time travel that why it doesn't exist is you could never go back and see yourself in the past or the future because you can't exist to two people. You can't exist in two places at one time or, you know what I mean? Like the paradox of time travel. It's almost like that kind of applies to this. Like they cannot really face each other because it would like, they would, I don't know what would happen. Their brains would explode or something because you, 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 it would almost like break the construct of the universe. Like they would, I think that's one theory about that. If, if you were to ever go back in time and see yourself, like the whole universe would collapse, you know? So I think maybe there's something to that. And so we're looking for a merging of scene where Dougie and Mr. C maybe won't even be in the same state or the same area. You know what I'm saying? They're going to merge somehow, but I still Correct. don't think they'll ever have an arm wrestling match or anything where they're face to face. Like the no, scene even- heat. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be great to see for Mr. C and Cooper or Dougie in like in the heat scene. Uh, that would in the double R. That would that. be great. That would be great. But there's a, also an interesting line that the log lady told Hawk in part ten. Laura is the one. Um, I think towards the end of her little cryptic speech to him, she says, "Watch and listen to the dream of time and space." And I think right after that is where she said, "Laura is the one." So. For me, the idea of this dream um, construct, this dreamer, this philosophy is far more interesting than, you know, something like a parallel dimension. I never saw the show Lost, but I think it delved into all these different realities. And we certainly got a little glimpse of that in Buckhorn um, when Cole almost went into the zone. But for me, it's far more interesting, the idea of... Uh, the dreams, like living inside a dream and who very well may be the dreamer and who's controlling and who really is, you know, and, and it might be related to, I'm not say related to, but what Audrey is going through uh, is something that's, yeah, you know, I think at something. Is it future? Yeah. Is it past? Or, yeah, no, there's or something. time and time again with her, like she's in a loop or some sort of mental construct that we, uh, you know, it, I don't know how to explain it, but it seems like it definitely ties into what, what all the other things we're seeing, at least in the last episode. Well, for her, the, yeah, when I when I watched that scene again, the first thing that came to mind was Mulholland Drive when she I mean she basically tells Charlie that, you know, I don't know who I am. And there's that direct line in Mulholland Drive with the Rita character. She says, I don't know who I am. Now, she was suffering from amnesia from a car accident. But we know that in uh, the early 90s that Lynch and Frost conceived a spinoff for Twin Peaks, for, uh, from Twin Peaks for the Audrey character. And it was to be entitled Mulholland Drive where Audrey went to Hollywood. Uh, to seek her fame and fortune as an actress. Now that never, you know, uh, became developed, never developed into a series at that point. Lynch picked up the project later on and obviously changed the narrative. But there might be some correlation uh, with the Rita character, with what the Audrey character is going through. And I'm not saying it's an amnesia uh, thing. I don't think it's, it could very well be that she hasn't woken up from her coma because of the two things that she did say to Charlie. Um, she, she mentioned both Ghostwood and the Roadhouse. And we know that uh, she was the last scene we saw her in the in the original series. She was at the bank and she was protesting the Ghostwood development. And the scene, I think, the scene we saw right before that was her at the Roadhouse, where she gave a speech before the Miss Twin Peaks pageant. So if she was in a coma for twenty five years, her last real world memories would be those two locations. So for me, I mean, yeah, there's no technology or anything in the house. That's all still right, you know, right, whatever. Right. There's no technology at all. So, but what do you think? I mean, if it's a, a coma? I mean, that just doesn't, doesn't that just no, seem like that something like out of invitation days of our love, lives? man. Yeah, it's yeah. like an invitation yeah. love trope. So I don't really buy that. 
Um, unless they're doing it as some sort of play on an invitation to love, you know, some people think that that's what that is. And that, you know, at least the first time we saw her, that maybe she was on a movie set and this is some sort of, you know, do I have to end your story? Some producer telling you she's going to cut her, you know, so I don't, I don't think that at all. Um, but I can't explain it. I can't, I, and that's very mysterious. That's one thing that I'm very compelled about. Do you think we're going to see, um, any more Audrey next episode or is it going to like tail off like the other storylines, you know, and not, not give us any more for a while? Well, I, I don't think it's going to tail off. I think that we're going to find out, um, you know, what's going on with Audrey. I don't necessarily think that it's going to be in part 14 because I think part 14 is really going to focus on uh, the, the journey to Jackrabbit's Palace and uh, the Blue Rose Task Force and, you know, either Mr. C and or Dougie. Of course, I think we'll get and some the Dream Angle as well. And, oh, right. Right. Obviously, we're going to get that line, uh, we are like the dreamer, which I think is going to tie into some of the things that um, we're we're talking about. But uh, another thing with Audrey, we know Lynch is a huge like Wizard of Oz fan and – you know, I mean, he's already used that, you know, he's, he's, you know, you know, he used that in Wild at Heart and any number of references to the Wizard of Oz, which he created. It was not in the Barry Gifford book. Uh, that was Lynch's uh, creation completely. But, you know, uh, Audrey could be in her own, like Oz, whether it's in her head or not. And those characters that she's referencing could be characters that, you know, from her real life, but she's just attributing to others, other, other people. Like Billy could be, you know, Ben or Cooper and, <laughs> I would love, I mean, the scene of Jerry. Oh, I see and what ben you're saying. They're Johnny. just saying the name yeah. could actually be different names. She's using different names for like. Yeah, because of her mental illness or her confusion or whatever. That's, I mean, I, she's, you know, yeah. 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 Interesting. So, well, and, but the no Charlie. Well, the Charlie character is also very interesting. I think he's a really good actor. It's a great yeah, performance. He was in like that James Spader show, I think. What was that one where he was like an assassin or something in NBC? The Blacklist? <laughs> the Blacklist. <laughs> I've never seen him before, but he's really good. Either, but... I think he's fantastic. And that line, man, do you, do you I need to end your story? That really freaked me out. And still, I'm, I'm puzzled. Yeah. It resonated, right. I think, mean... with a lot of people. It just it makes me so sad to see her break down and cry at the end of that scene. Um, she feels like a relative or like a sister. I want to save her. And I feel, I feel terrible. And I feel like maybe she's doomed. You know what I mean? Like, uh, do you see any redemption for Audrey in this? Yes, I do. I actually do. I think so. I think, uh, not just because she's iconic in the Twin Peaks universe. I just think that, um, I just, I just feel it. It's just a gut feeling that she's not. And and for some other characters too, because what have we seen? We talked about this with a lot of these characters and I want to tie it into, and I know it's probably not going to be brought up in the next five hours, but it's something that I always go back to with the original series and towards the end of the second season when the, the gang, you know, Cooper and gang Truman and and Hawk and Andy go to to Owl Cave and they find, find the, um, the symbol on that lever. And um, when Wyndham Earl comes back later, he, he turns it, he inverts it. And for me, I always attributed that to like good and evil and the, the symbol upright, I think maybe represented, you know, uh, the white lodge, you know, when a certain time and, and place happened, you could enter the white lodge because I believe the black lodge and the white lodge, they, they occupy the same like space, but depending on time and maybe related to Owl Cave, um, things you know can be different. And I think that that, that turned everything on its head. And, and what we've been seeing, obviously, we don't know what's happened in 25 years. We're seeing um, these characters 25 years later, but it just seems like the town itself and a lot of the characters that we've grown to love have just had, you know, I wouldn't say miserable lives, but their lives have not gone as as, as well and as hopeful 
hope for is, as you know, as, as the audience that we're just really seeing, I think, the darkness more than the light and the secrets and all the weirdness that was, were below the surface in the original series has bubbled up. And it's on the surface. And I think what's going to happen is, is that the events at Jackrabbit's Palace with the return of Cooper and or L- Laura is going to return the glow that has is dying, you know, that the log lady mentioned. So what we're seeing is actually a reverse. We're seeing like the reverse of the original series where everyone was all happy-go-lucky and then the homecoming queen dies. And then everything starts to, you know, like, you know, break down and we just discover all these horrible, like, you know, secrets and, and crimes and adultery and murders. But I think we're seeing the exact opposite opposite. We're seeing that on the surface. And then when the return of like, you know, the glow, Cooper and or Laura, it's going to return to, you know, that sense of normalcy. But there's never going to be light without dark. Do you think it's, so this is all Windermere's fault for flipping the switch at Al Cave? <laughs> <laughs> do you think that's what uh, Major Briggs is asking uh, Bobby to do? Maybe he's going back up to Jackrabbit's palace and he's got to flip the switch again somehow, even though it's not going to be Al Cave again. But maybe that's what is intended to happen here by being able to get into the the White Lodge or I don't know what, but then I'm afraid that the woodsmen are already there and maybe, you know, posting up like the zone, you know, waiting for them. Yeah, no, I think they're going to encounter uh, some, you know, uh, elements of, of darkness. I don't, I think what Briggs was doing, I think that there might be two things. I think that there might be like another message or another clue related to Cooper and or Laura. And there might be another gateway of portal because I always suspected since Major Briggs was presumably, you know, killed in that fire at Listening Post Alpha, which is very close to the location of, of Jack Rabbit's Palace where they're going, that that might have been his sanctuary. That's my, that might have been where he went. Uh, to hibernate. And it's possible that when they encounter some kind of clue that one or all three of Cooper, Truman, and Briggs will maybe enter a zone type, uh, you know, portal and be confronted by maybe, you know, some woodsman or, or God knows what, or maybe even see Major Briggs himself, his head. It's maybe he'll be just like Jarrell and Superman, and that'll be like his Fortress of Solitude. He'll be able to go over there and get information. He's got the whole thing laid out for him. Maybe it'll maybe be we'll like see a, a Briggs whole- sighting. Will there be a bunch of woodsmen, like a uh, super close-up of their faces going, guilty, guilty, guilty. <laughs> guilty. <laughs> no, but I do think, uh, I think uh, I would love to see like the floating head of Major Briggs up there somehow. Wouldn't that totally honest. just destroy Bobby though? Bobby would go into a, he'd be a wreck. He'd be an emotional wreck. He'd have to go to therapy immediately, but maybe it would be heartening, <laughs> you know, cause he's going to find out at some point, Cole's going to go like, Hey Bobby, like we found good news, bad news. We found your dad, but he's got no head. And so that that's going to bum him out. But if he goes up to Jackrabbit's palace and sees the floating head, you know, and gets to talk to his dad, maybe give him a little kiss or something, it make him feel better. So. Maybe he tells another turnip joke about his head that his head will actually turn up, turn up. eventually. <laughs> <laughs> it may turn up. I'm sure. Can you see Bobby? Probably that joke wouldn't go over very well. He wouldn't no, laugh. Probably He'd not. Like, no. no one I gets think... me. That's why he would say after Bobby didn't laugh. I think the well, 253, the 253, um, you know, we have the, the distance. That's two five three. They actually need to collect some soil from that location. Yeah, two hundred fifty three feet from the yeah two fifty. Yeah, I think it's yards east or something, and then they get to whatever that place. And I, I bet it's that's why I think it's a portal because of what Hastings said um, to Mackley, or I'm sorry to Tammy. He said it was like you know fifteen or twenty feet in within like you know a, that that hole in the fence. I think that he's telling 
Briggs or Bobby and Truman and Hawk to go to an actual specific, you know, um, like uh, uh, space that's exactly 253 yards east and that that is where maybe a portal is. But I also think that 253, whatever clue that they might encounter or person, I think that second that that clue or whatever is is related to the second 253 which i think is the night like that next day because we see on that yeah, little map into, yeah 10 we know the second they day have four chances a.m. p.m. a.m. p.m. on both days so they got four chances i guess right and there's also a sun or we presume to be a sun and a crescent you know moon with the you know the the evil symbol the symbol of of mother, supposedly, we think that you know whatever Hawk won't discuss. I would hope I would. You would think he would discuss that, but <laughs> Dude, he needs to like start yeah spilling his beans before we get up there. Right, it's right. Kind of important now. Right, but I think that that second night at it's going to be two fifty three a.m. on October second. I think that that's when the story itself will loop back to the scene in part two where Hawk is at Glastonbury Grove when he's telling Margaret something's supposed to happen here tonight, and I believe at that point that. Cooper will emerge from the Black Lodge somehow. Now, it, he, I don't think it, he was like in the Black Lodge. I think what will happen with the Dougie storyline will somehow uh, um, evolve with Cooper being led maybe by the one-armed man back into the lodge and then coming out as opposed to going, you know, through his journey through space in the purple room, that he'll come out through the curtains at, in Glastonbury Grove because I think that's what was supposed to happen originally at 253 in episode three, but the manufacturing of Dougie changed that whole, you know, um, you know, construct. So that's what I think. And then he'll come, Cooper will come out and be reunited with Hawk and Truman and or Bobby. But I still think that either Mr. C will be around or that merging that we were discussing might've already taken place. So they could have, yeah, we think they might merge. Cause that's the whole question is like, who's driving that car though? You know, the scene with Cooper in the car with either the black eyes or not the black eyes. Um, I keep I mean, I like this theory a lot. I keep leaning on the idea, though, that the Dougie somehow is going to come through the Glastonbury Grove, uh, you know, time portal and that somehow Mr. C is the one dressed up like original Cooper driving in that car. Um, that's at least. Yeah. What I'm, now. I'm not no, sure I... how I could reconcile having uh, them have merged and then both of them to come through. But maybe that could happen, too. But I, I don't feel that that's Dougie driving that car or like fresh Cooper, like freshly back Cooper driving that car. I feel like it is Mr. C now for some reason. Yeah, it's either that or the merging. And actually, uh, Frank, one of our loyal listeners, he actually bet me a uh, a, a buffalo, uh, an Indian buffalo nickel, you know, what like yeah. just like what Hawk found in, in episode uh, six, that he thinks you know, he's certain that it's Cooper. And I, I feel very confident that it's Mr. C. But what if we're both wrong? What if it's the merged Cooper? Uh, would we have to have an arm wrestling contest um, for that? Uh, you contest? could. That's a very, yeah. I mean, it would be a draw. I'd for probably sure. use. I don't know. I don't know what Frank is his build is, but I would probably lose. I would just say that right now. I probably lose. well, it'll be very compelling if they end up getting merged because everyone thought that okay, when once Cooper comes back, if he ever does, that he would be Cooper again, you know, and free of the demon. And but what if he's yeah. not? You know, what if he comes back and he's got the fucker still in him? You know, maybe not the doppelganger. Maybe the doppelganger is gone, but maybe Bob was still in Mister C when they merge. And maybe Mr. C is still with fucking Cooper an episode, like whenever he pops out. Well, it could be something where like this whole thing with Jeffrey's 
and Briggs and, you know, God knows who else um, that might be, you know, related to this Dutchman's, which might be related to the giant. We might go on that a little bit later. But um, the idea of they, whoever they are, wanting to uh, have what's inside Mr. C, which is Bob. What if somehow we, 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 we all suspected, you know, at you know, part eight when, you know, Ray shot Mr. C and we saw the Bob bubble within, within Mr. C that maybe Bob was extracted. But, uh, I, I thought about that for, you know, just a brief while. And then I was like, no, I think, you know, you know, he's still within him. I think that was just something to show the viewers and to show Ray so he could use that information. When why he would they pull him out? Why would the woodsman pull him out if they're not going to, I mean, and put him back in? Like, that's what's so, I mean, that's what I'm, I'm not sure. I still don't know where he is. Bob. I'm convinced. Like I said, I think it was a visual to the audience. Like, okay, Bob, you see Bob within him and Ray saw it. So when Ray talked talked to Jeffries, he said, I saw, you know, something that, you know, might be the key to this whole thing. Like if he didn't see that, it could have been just like, I saw him, I saw a bunch of crazy, you know, dirty bearded men doing some crazy dance around Cooper. I don't know if he's dead or not, but him saying the, you know, that he saw Bob, I think tied into our storyline. And it also helped us like people who maybe aren't as familiar with the whole host parasite dynamic to actually see a parasite, to see Bob within him. But what I'm trying to get at is that the whole idea of the merging, you know, with with Cooper and his shadow self, what if it's possible that Bob is extracted, pulled out, or maybe is leaves on his own volition? We don't know what Bob, we don't know if Bob is trapped in Mr. C. We don't know if Bob is, is a willing participant. We don't know if that's necessary for the doppelganger. We don't know any of these rules, but it could be that Bob is free at some point to, you know, possess another person and it's just Cooper and Mr. C, literally, you know, black and white, the Nirvana and Samsara, um, which you mentioned, which I'd like you to talk about, that actually has to merge to be whole again. Well, yeah, you know, you talk about, we, you know, it seems like there's all kinds of like uh, spiritual and philosophical like sub themes and texts and stuff in the story. And it does seem like Mr. C is like the embodiment of like Samsara, like the, the ultimate, like, you know, deviltry, even though he is like a master of that devilish domain. And then Dougie is like this helpless child in the, in the, in a state of Nirvana, you know, and those are like the two choices in life, you know, which, what do you want to be? You want to be light or dark? So I do think that it feels like, uh, you know, something that Lynch would be into to have them merge again. And uh, and have to still struggle because that's what we also have to struggle with the light and the dark with all of us every day. That's what this whole thing is about is the duality of humanity, you know, and so it's not like, uh, you know, Dougie's going to become Cooper and no longer have a dark side. <laughs> that's impossible, right, you know, unless there's... he's going to become a Buddha, you know, or come become like some spiritual God, you know, something like that, some divine creature. Uh, you know, because uh, we're all light and dark. So I think that is there is something to be said for that. And I think that is probably what's going to happen. Right. It ties into also <laughs> something that <laughs> – what do we all know, my so it'll friend? it'll definitely but, never happen because I think it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, I, I was doing some research on 430 and I came across some um, interesting uh, passage from uh, – the book of Genesis, I think 15, 17. And the only reason why any went any further with that is because I know from the eraser head, when Lynch was writing that script, he got stuck at some moment. I think it was only really a 20 page script that he wrote, which turned into like a 90 minute movie, but somewhere in those 20 pages, he got stuck and he opened up his Bible. Yes. David Lynch had a Bible and maybe still very well does have a Bible opened up his good book. <laughs> Snakeskin Bible. Yes, that's great. Oh, that's going on your reel, my friend. Um, The um, the 
He not, opened not up in the Bibles, but I'd take a snakeskin one. <laughs> Christmas is just around the corner. Um, I think that um, that so he came across a passage that uh, a tied eraser head perfectly together. It was just the, was the missing ingredient, and he said it was just the most important thing for him to move forward with the film. And Eraserhead is his most spiritual film, and he and he ended that you know story with I will never ever ever tell anyone what that passage is. So, so okay. Always so getting back, right? So I, when I came across this four three zero, basically it relates to a prophecy God told Abraham um, that in four hundred years that the children of Israel who were enslaved in Egypt would uh, would be freed and they would uh, they would be able to you know move forward, move on to the Holy Land. I'm not a theologian; I don't know where it's going, but that was basically the prophecy. But it didn't happen in four hundred years; it happened in four hundred and thirty years. And that night that it happened, it was like exact four three zero. It's actually called the night to be much observed, which sounds kind of like Lynchian in itself. But there's a passage um, in this Genesis fifteen seventeen, and I think it's 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 I would say it's complete related. I'm just I'm reading into things possibly. But the line is very interesting. It basically says that the, the 430-year exile represents a term of spiritual edification before God. And I always assume or, or attribute our God character in the world of Twin Peaks as the giant. So, um, so basically the spiritual edification before God as nothing is considered clean. If we consider Cooper impure, before God, that he has to pass through the fiery cleansing before he becomes pure again. So I was just reading into it, like that first scene we saw in part one, where the giant was giving him these clues and telling him, you're far away. And now we're seeing Cooper going on this journey, and he's not whole again. He's not pure. That he has to go through the fiery cleansing and to become whole again and pure before God. And we know that, I think we suspect that Cooper is going to have another scene with the giant. And it very well could be when, when he does, he is pure again. Now, what that means and where you go from there, I do not know. But I'm not saying 430 is that, but I did find it kind of curious. And I think I find some like, you know, possible similarities of what might be going on in the strange world of Twin Peaks. Well, but you talked about like that scene in, scene in episode two when he met the, or it was the first episode when he met the giant in the black and white room or whatever yeah. it is. And it's like, he's like, uh, you know, you are far away. And it almost, you were saying that you think that that was him telling the giant, telling him that you're like, you still have to go through your journey, you know, that he's not there. And so you're saying that could be at the end of the season. And so that's like making me think like, okay, so <laughs> this entire season could be just about Dougie getting back to that state of Cooper. But then once Cooper becomes Cooper again, he still is at the beginning of this huge fire and brimstone journey that you're talking about. Like he's nowhere closer to being through with this at the end of this season. Uh, he's only just finally back to being himself. You know. I think you perfectly encapsulated that. And it, it actually is apropos of the title, The Return. I don't think The Return necessarily... Is We've like got to have a fourth season now, then, because <laughs> that's a great selling point, isn't it? It's kind of d- a genius of Lynch yeah. and Frost, because then they'll go, you want, you finally want some Cooper and coffee and pie and everything? Well, you got to get season four, because <laughs> that's the only way you're going to get it. <laughs> you're absolutely right. I think the return Jeez. now means is the return of the identity of Agent Cooper, and I think with Laura Palmer. I don't necessarily think it means like it's like a return to Mayberry, like a return to Twin Peaks. I think it's a return of their identities. And I think everything that you just – Wouldn't it be a giant – wouldn't it be a huge fuck to like, okay, we got screwed with the whole How's 80 thing? (laughs) 
what if we get screwed with the house dale thing like and, and we don't get a fourth season <laughs> and they thought we were going to get it and so we're we're doubly fucked and cliff hung forever Okay. Well, there's always the final dossier. Mark Frost has another oh, book coming right. out in October, so we might get some yeah, clues there. You know, actually, but... uh, as much as I love Lynch, if, if Frost just wants to keep writing them in books, I'd still buy them. I love. I yeah, love I book. do want a fourth season, but I I think that's where we're going. I don't think I think I don't think we're going to get something on par of like this horrible cliffhanger where you know our you know our, our protagonist is possessed by pure evil. I don't think we're going to get something like that. I mean, that wasn't only a cliffhanger; that was just pure like shock. And, you know, for Cooper, I mean, you know, the good, the light to be, you know, um, infested with Bob. I mean, that was beyond shocking. So I don't think we're going to get something like that. But I don't think everything's going to be tied up in a nice, nice little neat, you know, package. I think we're going to get some loose threads. And I think very well we could get Cooper and or Laura back, you know, somehow, but not have, you know, any more storyline because this particular story has ended and we would need a fourth season. And I hope so. But um uh, let's just get through the next five hours. We'll speculate, you know. Yeah, but, we'll figure it out. Well, I'd yeah. like to see Laura actually show up. We've been talking about her a lot. <laughs> I don't know when she's going to show up. And if she does, how she's going to have uh, the pivotal role that we thought she was going to play um, in the rest of the series. Well, I think she is. I mean, I I think, you know, you know, just because of part. Episode. I don't think next episode, but I think it's going to be 15. I think I think four, here we are in the five. There's four hours, you know, the beginning of this last five hours. Basically, it's two fire walk with me's if you want to look at it that way. In a little bit, you know, maybe another 10 or 15 minutes. But that's what we're getting. And I think that – That's encouraging. You know, that's a long time. Yeah, it's a lot of – <laughs> Think of it that time. way. That's a lot of film, yeah. Well, before I get into Laura, what I want to mention just briefly is um, I think that at Jackrabbit's Palace, we might also – have a return of our owl imagery since we've had, you know, basically just one reference to an owl um, in this entire series where it was such a, a prominent role uh, in the original series and really attributing the owls to, you know, Bob and, you know, being able to, you know, transmit or, you know, uh, we always assume that, you know, the lodge spirits can, you know, they can travel through like electricity. But, you know, when Leland died and, you know, I think, you know, Truman says, well, if we had Bob, you know, trapped, you know, where is he now? It cut to an owl, like flying through, you know, the woods and right up into the camera. It The, the, the insinuation is that Bob was, you know, you know, you know, like an owl, you know, um, and traveling. That's where his spirit, that the owls are foreboding. The owls are not what they seem. And when we we saw the owl in part four, I believe it was at Dougie's house, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he went back Which just is, right before he went to talk to Jenny E. He was standing outside yeah. with the little guy. If you want to attribute the owls are not what they seem, if, if they really, you know, are you know, subscribing to that clue from the original series, even though we've had no mention of it, then, you know, Dougie, Janie E., the house on Lancelot Court is not what it seems. It's possible. I, think I still it's a great think... theory. Yeah, I like it. I would love to see some more owls uh, in the Roadhouse, Jack Rabbit's Palace. I thought some people think on Twitter thought that they saw owl in the mirrors behind Sarah Palmer's uh, uh, sofa in the last episode. I need to go back and what check. What do you mean that. mirrors? Like reflected in the mirror, like uh, Bob and the no. Pilot? I think there's like three mirrors, and there and two of them are circular that look like the owl eyes, and the one in the middle or at the top looks like the crest of its beak or something. 
Now I didn't see oh, that the myself. way that they're uh, yeah the arranged. way they're arranged yeah so you know, oh I didn't notice that, that. But, uh, yeah you would think at this point that we would see you know that's the other thing if there's a there's a cave on that living map you know and there's been no mention of Al Cave and we don't think you don't think Al Cave is going to come back right but uh, if we see if if you think they're going Jackrabbit's Palace is going to involve a cave and we see some owls then you know why do they hate Al Cave so much what happened like I know the season <laughs> two thing but uh, <laughs> we all know it <laughs> right right so, right I don't know. right so yeah, getting back to to Laura, I mean, yeah, I, it's still such a mystery. I mean, we know that you know Leland said find Laura. We know Le- or Laura told you know Cooper in the lodge that he could go out, and she whispered something in her ear and in his ear, and then she was violently taken from the lodge. And I always assumed that she returned to you know the real world, our world, and was living a life kind of like how Cooper is living as Dougie and that somehow their storylines were going to converge and they were going to return like hand in hand, so to speak, or metaphorically to Twin Peaks. But we only have five hours now. Um, and I, I just, I strongly believe that we're going to see Laura Palmer and I just don't know how it's going to, um, you know, uh, fit into the narrative, but it very well might um, fit into the journey to Jackrabbit's palace because of just what the log lady said. I mean, she was mentioning like, you know, there's fire where you're going. And then she was talking about all the, you know, like, you know, the good man, you know, Truman and, and the true man and the, the other good man, presumably the bookhouse boys, but she ended it all with Laura is the one. So maybe at the end of Jackrabbit's palace, I and mean, we were talking about Cooper and the dreamer and, you know, coming out of Glastonbury Grove, but it very well could be, Laura Palmer or something related to Laura Palmer, whether it's that fourth diary page or something else. Is it possible since we are getting the we are the dreamer thing starting that, that maybe some character might see her in a dream that she may appear in a dream? Um, of know, course. Yeah. Are, have we had any dreams at all in the season at this point? Have we gone into anyone's dreams? Well, Belushi had that good. Or okay. Pepper, yeah, Belushi had yeah. that dream, which was great, uh, right? We didn't I, see it. Yeah. And Hastings I feel like maybe said, we'll see more of that. Okay, Hastings too. Okay, that's two. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think maybe that's going to play some. We may may start seeing some more dream moments, and maybe actually well, go into. Who knows? Yeah. No. Didn't uh, Janie E tell like you know, called you know Cooper like Mister Dreamweaver at one point like early oh, yeah, on? Yeah. Audrey said that she had a dream of Billy with his nose is bleeding and mouth is bleeding. Another dream. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah so yeah. I think maybe that might be. I mean, that could actually solve it because I was thinking like, how the hell. Could Cooper uh, show up into Twin Peaks with like the reincarnated Laura and not cause a complete massive freak out? You know, she cannot come back looking like Laura, right? No. Everybody would freak out, you know? So right. if it happens in a dream, I think that's more plausible. Um, right. No, I know. I agree. And then, of course, Cole saw Laura outside his door, you know, the vision of Laura. We don't know what that that was, but I mean, obviously that, and I think that that ties into what I want to talk about next. And I want you to actually go into something as well as the Blue Rose Blue Task Rose, Force. Yeah. yeah I, I, yeah, I think like number one, like Diane is, you know, probably the most interesting of the four characters because we still don't know exactly what her end game is. I firmly believe that she is not completely villainous. I think that she's got her own agenda. She seems very, uh, I wouldn't say self-serving, but I still think that she... <laughs> <She's> self-serving. <laughs> Admit it. Well, you know, didn't she say, like, you know, what's, what's in it for me? me? Yeah. Just yeah. like Cooper, when, he, when of... the arm wrestling match, like, what do I get? You know, so it's like right. she's looking for herself. I love Diane. Yeah, but... I don't think... I, I agree. I don't think she's completely bad. I, she's one of my favorite characters, and uh, keep going. Talk about her. Yeah. Preach. Well, no, I want you to talk about her, too, but I, I, I just want to sum up that I think that um, the big mystery is whatever happened that night with, with Cooper and or Mr. C. We don't know. We assume it's, it's Mr. C. And I think, I suspect, hopefully, in, in this episode, part 14, that 
Diane and Cole are going to have a conversation about that night because she, you know, that's what she, you know, mentioned to Cole when she was breaking down in his arms, which he felt was, I guess, disingenuous. That one, one of these days we're going to talk about that night, and we talked about in a prior podcast that uh, for me, I, I was putting some puzzle pieces together and thought maybe she was, you know, witness to or somehow, you know, aided, you know, Mister C in the manufacturing of Dougie. However, that went down, but for me, I suspect that um, that. With Mr. C telling Albert in part three that he had left messages, we don't know who it was. We assumed it was Albert, but it very well could have been Diane. And if Diane was receiving messages all these years from, you know, Mr. C, but she, I, I would feel would assume that they were coming from Cooper and maybe she was, you know, complicit in some of these, you know, crimes or these activities and got pulled in and, you know, with Dougie and God knows what else. And then when she finally sees the man that she's been communicating with her for all these years, it's not the Dale Cooper that she knows. It's Mr. C. It's an imposter, basically. That basically shattered her world. And then now what she's doing right now, I think, with the communication isn't necessarily related to Mr. C, even though he sent that text around the dinner table, the conversation is lively. But I think she got that from someone else. And I think there's some kind of intermediary. There's something not all completely like, you know, rounded and solid about like her motives. And I think it very very well may be that she doesn't completely trust Cole. Yeah, you've talked about that, you know, and I think the last episode or the, maybe it was the one before with the French woman and like he was kind of jacking around Cole. And we were right. like, you just went to the zone, dude. <laughs> Albert's like, you know, all serious. You know, Diane's like, let's rock. Tammy's ready to go. And he's like, you know, fooling around. So maybe you, your theory is that perhaps that Cole may have been corrupted because, I mean, I think that one of the three, like Diane, obviously, is the one that looks really, really guilty. But I've also had my doubts about Albert. Because I still think that like that second uh, well, go into episode, that. yeah, go into uh, that. Well, I think we talked about it before, but it's my my pet theory is that the uh, in the second episode after Mister C uh, whacks Daria, he goes and uh, cleans up and then gets on the phone with Philip Jeffries, and it at least appears to me that that halfway through that call, um, when the guy goes, actually, I, I I just called to say goodbye in the the be with Bob again line, I feel like that sounds like fucking Albert, and no one else agrees with me. I guess maybe some people on Twitter do, but not really. But I still think that's a very um, you know, telling deal that may, and especially when Albert, uh, you know, started to look really guilty and sweat in episode three or four during the interrogation scene with, uh, you know, Mr. C, I think that he could have gone broken bad, but now you're thinking that it might be Cole. Uh, and that's a whole, that's a mind bender. If he, if the, if the black lodge is going to take down, like two Boy Scouts, like <laughs> two Eagle Scouts. It's terrifying. <laughs> well, no, I don't think that Cole is like, you know, broken bad. I think that he's just, I think he knows more than anyone. I think he was the one. We know that he was the one who uh, was given the task to lead ahead the Blue Rose uh, task force and to assign Philip Jeffries, who actually recruited Desmond, Albert, and Cooper. And from the secret history of Twin Peaks, we know that Cole and Jeffries visited Twin Peaks and the location near Listening Post Alpha during its uh, creation, during its construction. So I just think that Cole knows more than, you know, that he is leading on. And I didn't come up with this myself. Uh, one of our, our think, you know, Caitlin, one of our, uh, um, uh, Twitter friends, and we've been uh, communicating a lot, and she's come up with them. Our Any fellow Choppy, should we like call it? We have like names, like <laughs> Choppies, or I don't she's know. Her fellow Choppy, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll uh, workshop it, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. she's come up with any number of really interesting, great theories. But that was one I really, really, really um, uh, uh, agree with, and it, it, she kind of like swayed me a little bit. She kept on, you know, uh, suggesting these things, and I kept, you know, I rewatched certain scenes. So I, I, I think that she might be onto something, and that's when I started like moving my, you know. Uh, 
uh, the chess pieces of the Blue Rose team, where I always thought that, you know, like, you know, Cole and Tammy and Albert were just, you know, they were, they were patriotic. They were in the side, they were, you know, Dudley Do-Rights and, and maybe Diane was the one who was, you know, the, you know, the, the fly in the ointment. But now I think it's all like, you know, it's all like, you know, it's, uh, it's like, you just assemble. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a mess. We don't know who's affiliated with what. We don't know what anyone's like, you know, true agenda or end game is. So, um, props to Caitlin for that. Well, yeah, no wonder they're not getting anything done if the Blue Rose case has been going on since 1970 off the records or whatever it is. Like, uh, it's because Cole's been screwing around the entire time, like, drinking wine and flying around on the government dime, like, dating women and, you know, having a good time. So it's possible. Yeah, and I, th- I think if there's anyone that's going to have any kind of, you know, tragic, you know, ending or um, uh, similar, you know, um, experience as Jeffries, Cooper, and or Desmond is Tammy. I think she would be the one that would fall, like, you know, fell a victim. Something would happen to her. I always thought that she would survive after reading the the Mark Frost book, because she seemed like to kind of be in charge of the whole thing. Like, she might be the one. I would imagine the reading the final dossier, which comes out after the series, that she would be a major part and maybe even the narrator of that. Like, at least that's how I would imagine. It's possible, but that, and if you read that book, that dossier was found at a crime scene in August of 2016, and I think the events that we're seeing here in this story are taking place in late September into early October 2016. So uh, the dossier is not going to be a part of this narrative. It could very well be that she was assigned that dossier and her notes that, you know, really made up the secretive history of Twin Peaks, um, which led her to be recruited by Cole and Albert on this case. So uh, that could have already transpired. We don't know. I mean, that, that, so you that's, don't think we're ever going to see the dossier mentioned? No, no, no. I think that was uh, that was Frost's invention, I think, for his book. Yeah, I think that was. Yeah. Well, do you think like uh, the FBI is ever going to end up at Jackrabbit's Palace? Are they going to end up at like, uh, you know, you know, what is their next spiritual connector point? Yes, me. Well, I thought that it would the normal like connector would be Vegas, right? That whether with the Prince or seeing Dougie on TV or Cooper on TV, um, you know, someone recognizing him, like Bill Shaker from Allied Chemicals. I mean, someone you would think is going to recognize like Dale Cooper, and it would get back to the FBI. And there's been these database searches for Cooper, uh, but yeah, I, like a ting, right? Like they said that Major Briggs's prints have been uh, yeah. been dinged sixteen times, right? Didn't Cooper's prints just get dinged by the Las Vegas? And it came off a body, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, well, not a, a dead body. It came off a live Cooper. Body. And right. <laughs> yeah, a live yeah. person this time. Right. Seems like that would come up if somebody saw a ding on the FBI's end, that someone dinged Cooper's and matched, made a match, that that might Right, but up. I think – yeah, I think that since Buckhorn is ending, I don't think there's much for the FBI – you know, to do in Buckhorn right now that I think since they know, obviously, you know, uh, Briggs, it's his body, um, the situation with the zone and these coordinates now being um, in located in Twin Peaks, that that is going to be their next course of action. And I think my guess is, is that probably Cole is going to contact Truman um, because he's the one person that I think that, you know, that would know or that he would want to, you know, parcel information to. So I think that's the link. Now, whether they go to Jack Private's palace or not, I don't know. My gut is no, that just the, the, the Bookhouse boys, the Truman, Hawk and Bobby will go there maybe with some help from yes. Carl and or Ed. 
You want to Big talk Ed, about yeah, that, that's but, what I want. I would just love for Big Ed and Carl. I mean, those are guys that have pure hearts, it seems like, and so that they would be able to go up there into the zone and, you know, you've got to have the pure heart, like Hawk, that they might be helpful uh, bodies to come, uh, you know, with them and have their back going into the the Jackrabbit's Palace. Maybe they even need to take uh, Carl Rod's uh, Carl Rodmobile and stack it with pies <laughs> and supplies because I remember back in the original series, like Andy and like Harry were sitting out there for days. You know, they might lose a, lose a soldier in there. So, uh I hope they come armed and prepared with everything they need. And it would be Four great. I would love to see Carl. Yeah, look, Carl and uh, an old Big Ed up there. Yeah, but so I, I think that's – I mean I'm not thinking – I'm hoping it would be great to see Big Ed and, and, and Carl along with the uh, – yeah, but um, I don't think necessarily that Cole and Albert, Tammy and Diane are going to make their way to Jackrabbit's Palace. But I think they're going to make their way to Twin Peaks. Um, yeah, I don't know if we're going to get an, uh, the – uh, the summation, the the ending of the Vegas storyline. I suspect that we're never going to get a tidy ending. I think we're going to get some con, uh, you know, I would say some conflict uh, between obviously Hutch and Chantal, Duncan, Todd, and Cooper. Now that you know Sizemore's you know broken down and and turned state's evidence yeah, to Bush. Wrap that up. Wrap it yeah, up. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, obviously, with uh, Dougie and uh, or Cooper and Janie E and Sonny Jim. That's what I'm most concerned about. Um, that dynamic. Well, that, that feels like dynamic. the dream, talking about the dreamer, the Dougie's in the yeah. dream. Yeah. Like he's put in the dream. No, I case, agree. I dream agree. Here, all that's not real, you know, and he can't take right. it with him. Is it possible that when uh, Mr. C set the whole thing up for Dougie to be taken back – into the lodge. Well, he knew that would happen, right? And he would knew he knew that Cooper would return, and that's why he's hired all these hitmen to knock off uh, Cooper. Do you think that there's like a time element in place, like hypothetically, that he's got like you know a week, yeah, do it, ten or days, he's going to be stuck there forever, or there's no yeah, way to do it, or he's going to disappear, or there's some like. Uh, yeah, I mean, we haven't heard that, that yet. We know the Black Lodge has got tons of time rules, so yeah. I think that's possible. We may have not heard that yet, but that yeah, maybe like, that's a four three four three zero. Maybe that's related to two five three. But then maybe that's another reason why that Mister C is so anxious because obviously it's like okay, he's still you know on you know, he's able to you know walk around. There's no no one's pulling him anywhere. There's no seemingly you know uh, lodge spirits like trying to get him back in, other than obviously Jeffries and Ray behind the scenes. But there is no sense of urgency you would think but he does want cooper eliminated yeah he's still focused on dougie like he's not doing his other like he's a he's a, obviously a very uh, genius type of mastermind criminal so he, he's basically put all of his other criminal uh you know uh ideas on hold and he's trying to handle this one situation because it's very important you know so i think that does uh add some pre credence to your theory that there's a time element you would think although it doesn't seem like he's rushing but he's not focusing on anything else and he, he needs dougie to die um you know, just like the one our man said. So I think that's one thing, you, you know, eventually the paradox will catch up to him. Yeah, there's something with that. I think there might be like, you know, some time involved. Obviously, it's a huge theme in this uh, story, not only with like, you know, the passing of time, ageism and actual like numbers um, and dates. Um, so it very well could be that there is a ticking clock for Mr. C to eliminate Cooper. Um, and it would be interesting if that, you know, if that comes down to zero, what happens to Mr. C? Yeah, maybe um, 10 minutes really, to 253 is the deadline. You know? It very well could be. Yeah, it, it very well could be. And uh, I think it's all related to, I mean, we could go down this rabbit hole forever, like the glass box. I mean, the whole. I, I watched that scene again and just like thought about it. It's like Mr. C, obviously, in that photograph with whoever that bold 
you know, mysterious. bespeckled, mysterious Science character mysterious. was, is that, I mean, that that whole thing might have been constructed for the very purpose of, like, you know, sending Cooper on that journey to, like, the Purple Room and ultimately to, like, you know, Rancho Rosa and Vegas. I mean, that could have been its, its oh, That's its interesting. Own, like, to it, capture it, him immediately, to, to redirect him right out of the lodge. So that was the reason it. why it was there in the first place. It could be. I mean, I, I could be. Now, but then, wh- then you go like, well, why did you? Why did we see that other creature in there? Why did it break out? You know, um, uh, and attack. Yeah, they probably have to fix the box now. <laughs> <laughs> right, we never saw it like shattered. We never saw it in pieces. You know what I mean? I'm still wondering where the hell the mother is. Where's that box monster? It's floating. I mean, it looked like it busted out, so it's roaming. Yeah, no, it's also like, I think it's like permeating, like, you know, our locations and our characters, like that, that embodiment of like pure evil, if that's what it is. Driving everyone into the samsara. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, maybe it's the glow of Laura that's going to defeat it. Well, that's a very good theory. Do you have any more last thoughts as uh, we're getting close to the end of this episode? What do you think? Yeah, the last thing I really wanted to kind of get into, and I, I'll be it briefly, and, and maybe get your thoughts about it, is the significance of the ring, the re, uh, you know, appearance of the ring um, with Ray. I find uh, I, I loved it. I mean, we had I obviously that was great. Yeah, the fact that now that we can attribute the wearer of the ring. Uh, I always assumed you know was doomed because every character that's that's you know worn the ring, whether in the Secret History of Twin Peaks or the Firewalk with Me or the series, has come to some kind of you know you know horrible or tragic you know sad ending. Um, but for Mister C, you know, an, an actual doppelganger, you know that you know that is one. That's another way to return him to the lodge is to put that ring on the spiritual mound, the, the, the left ring finger. And, uh, and what Jeffries, we assume Jeffries, I'm starting to suspect that Jeffries really is nowhere or living inside of a dream. And there might be a second party, second person who is actually using the Jeffries or maybe working in tandem with the nowhere Jeffries to stop major, or to stop uh, Mr. C. And it could very well be, uh, Major Briggs and or the Spirit Mike, the one our man, and yeah, they're both we, time lords. Like uh, yeah, like you know, Briggs and Philip Jeffries are living. Yeah, in, you know, yeah, the, the clouds are in the electricity wires. So I think that's possible. Yeah, but I think that we're not. But they're like they're, you know, what, they're, they're like two allies. They're like you know, America and China aligning against Russia. You know what I mean? Like they're only getting they're only getting together to stop Mister C. But normally they probably would not be on the same side. Right, I agree. Yeah, I agree, and I think that whatever the Dutchman's is. Um, but we, we don't think it's a, uh, an actual location, a place, because that's what Ray said. And when Mr. C, you know, killed Ray, he said, I know what it is. Um, that to me really kind of feeds into like, you know, obviously I think it's related to Jeffries because that's where he asked, like, where, where is Philip Jeffries now? And if Jeffries is nowhere, if Jeffries is living within a dream that the Dutchman's could be this kind of dream place. You know, and a place where maybe Cooper will be as well, maybe the giant. And maybe this is where, you know, these merging, this merging of Mr. C or Cooper or this big confrontation will will occur. I would love to see something like that. I don't know uh, if, if we're going to get it, but I certainly think that Mr. C is going to address whatever the Dutchman's is. Yeah, it's very interesting. I've heard some other people maybe speculating, like, wasn't like New York called like New Amsterdam in the beginning or something like that? And maybe it ties back to New York, but I have no idea. He didn't say, I know who that is. You know, he said, right. I know what that is. Right. But I guess you could right. call a god. Uh, I guess, would you call a gi- the giant a who or a what? <laughs> I call them question marks, or I would just write out a bunch of question marks. <laughs> question marks. marks. All right. Yeah, yeah, the final thing with that, that ring, just to, to tie up the ring, is that 
uh, the final character, um, the, the really the most mysterious character in, in all of Twin Peaks, in my opinion, um, is the, the mysterious Judy that is mentioned by Philip Jeffries in Firewalk With Me. And she's related to not only Buenos Aires, but the convenience store and the ring. And I think that if we do get the ring again, um, uh, and if, if we find out, you know, who this dreamer is or who's living inside the dream, um, we very well might get a Judy and or monkey reference because we know that the monkey at the end of Firewalk With Me whispered, Judy. And uh, I, I, I'm hopeful. We know Lynch has like a, a little fetish for uh, spider monkeys. Um, so we might get uh, – we might get <laughs> – he get you know <laughs> Have you seen the behind the scenes of uh, Inland Empire? You should watch this uh, like more stuff that happened. Yeah, you get it's, – it's two separate occasions he was asking for spider monkeys. Yeah, he just loves himself. More some, spider, uh, spider monkeys. Mon- like just load the, the set with spider monkeys? Is that what he's into? Yeah. Maybe that's what, like, the woodsman, like in Spider Monkeys. Maybe that's like host parasite, Spider yeah, Monkeys. Maybe Spider Monkeys got at the end of this thing. Maybe, yeah. So that was it with the, uh, the, I think we might get, I mean, I'm hoping that's really a hope for me is the Judy because that would really, now that we've gotten so much with Jeffries, at least we've alluded to Jeffries, we've heard Jeffries, we haven't seen Jeffries. If we can throw Judy in there, if we can put a face to Judy and tie that together with the, that the, the mysterious we live inside a dream and the ring and the, you know, the fate of Mr. C and Cooper somehow tied to Laura Palmer, if that could somehow gel together, I mean, my mind would already be melting, but I wouldn't have a mind to return. I would be just a melted brain forever and I would be completely content. <laughs> well, hopefully that's going to happen next episode then. And we also think that maybe Monica Bellucci may be Judy. So I really like her as an actor. So hopefully that will come to pass. And, you know, I guess also people I see – like artists and people selling like uh, the rings, the owl rings from the lodge online. I, I would never buy one of those. I think the theory is you don't want to put one of those on your fingers. So that's uh, my final thought for today. Um, yeah, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we are super excited about Sunday. Uh, you guys can send us your feedback, your ideas, your comments to, to our Twitter feed, our Facebook uh, chopping wood inside uh, page. Uh, I guess you can also send it to our chopping wood inside at Gmail. We don't get a lot of those Gmails, but we'd love more of those. And you can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, and a lot of other platforms. Um, so thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys in a few hours.